Hello and welcome to Take It or Leave It. It's a Christian podcast to encourage us all to implement real change in our lives based on the teachings of Jesus so that when the rapture occurs, we may all be caught up to meet Jesus Christ in the air. It's about spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. I'm your host, Madison Santiago. Hello and welcome to Take It or Leave It. This is episode 13 and today we're going to be talking about prayer and work. Many today are operating without wisdom and are focused on good things without guidance from the Father. Specifically, some are focused on only praying while others are focused on only working for the kingdom. Those who are praying say praying is enough and those who are working doing the things for God but they're not consulting God to ensure that they're his plans they're executing. This teaching is going to remind us all of the scripture and God's expectation that we are to pray and work. So just as a refresher, what does God say about prayer? Number one, God says to pray without ceasing. And that's in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 16 to 18. And it says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God and Christ Jesus for you. God also says when we pray, not if we pray, but when we pray. This is in Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 5. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut the door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray... Do not use vain repetitions as the heathens do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. So again, three times just in those few verses in Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 5, when you pray, it's very clear, it's very clear. So what does God say about working for the kingdom? For one, he says, I know your works. This is Revelation 3.8. I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power, but yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. He knows our works. God also says, by your fruits you will know them. And this is Matthew chapter 7, verses 18 to 19. And it says, a good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. So by our works, you will know us. God's going to know us by our fruits, by our works. What can we show him, right? So works equals making disciples. Matthew 28, verse 19, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So very clear that God speaks of praying and working. He requires both work and prayer. But do you know how much you should be praying and how much you should be working? This leads into the lesson we're going to be talking about Nehemiah. Nehemiah can be found in the Old Testament, and prior to Nehemiah in the Bible, you can read in previous books about how the Chaldeans destroyed the wall of Jerusalem. Nehemiah was the cupbearer to King Exorcus. 
He was very close to the king. He was seen as trustworthy, and he guarded the king's cup from poison. Nehemiah was a prayerful worker. He was very strategic and generous, and again, very prayerful, always interceding for the people, always lifting his prayers to the Lord, very, very prayerful and a wise servant of God. Starting in chapter one in Nehemiah, we're going to overview chapter one through chapter four and focus heavily on chapter four. Uh, But it's important that we have a background because when we read the Bible, we cannot just take one verse out of context and try to apply it to our situation. We must know what is discussed before and what is discussed after to ensure that we are taking everything into the account. And when the Holy Spirit is talking to us, right, and giving us that true Holy Spirit interpretation of the Bible, that we have done our due diligence to read everything. So in chapter 1, Nehemiah prays for his people, and it says, And it came to pass in the month of Shislev, the 20th year, as I was in Sushan, the city, that Hanai, one of the brethren, came with men from Judah. And I, who's I? This is Nehemiah. He's writing in first person. And I, Nehemiah, asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped, who had survived the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, The survivors who are left from the captivity in the province are there in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is also broken down, and its gates are burned with fire. So it was when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Continuing in verse 5, it says, I pray, Lord God of heaven, O great and awesome God, you who keep your covenant and mercy with those you love, you observe your commandments. Please let your ear be attentive and your eyes open, that you may hear the prayer of your servant, which I pray before you now, day and night, for the children of Israel, your servants, and confess the sins of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Both my father's house and I have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, nor the ordinances, which you commanded your servant Moses." Remember, I pray the word that you command your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though some of you were cast out to the farthest part of the heavens, yet I will gather them from there and bring them to the place which I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. Now these are your servants and your people, whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. O oh Lord, I pray, please let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who desire to fear your name. And let your servant prosper this day, I pray, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. Nehemiah continues, for I was the king's cupbearer. So Nehemiah lifts up these prayers to the Lord continuously, interceding for the people, but not just everyone, right? Nehemiah is specifically praying for those people who are desiring to fear the Lord. He's asking for mercy upon those who are serving the Lord, true servants, right? Not everyone. Not everyone is serving God, and Nehemiah knows that. So his prayers are filled with wisdom and reminding God of what he said, right? He refers to uh, the commandments uh, that the Lord spoke to Moses. So it's very important that us today are taking the same care into our prayers, recalling the word, discussing with God, really standing in the gap, fighting, 
reminding the Lord, do this, Lord. You say this, you keep your promise, reminding the Lord who he is, praying to the Lord truly from our hearts. So in chapter 2, Nehemiah is deeply saddened about Jerusalem when he hears this news that there are Jews in reproach and the king notices. And in that moment, Nehemiah became fearful because he's the king's most trustworthy servant, right? He was to protect the king from being poisoned. And Nehemiah was crying. And the king noticed, right? Thinking that the king is going to be angry. So what did Nehemiah do? He prays to God and asks the Lord for help. And the king permits his cupbearer to go to rebuild the city of Jerusalem. So God heard Nehemiah's prayer and touched the heart of the king to release him to travel to Judah. He was the king's defense and trustworthy protection. And still, he let Nehemiah journey from Persia to Jerusalem. So again, when Nehemiah arrives in Jerusalem, he told no one of his plan. He was very strategic and he was favored from God. And this is how the work started. This is the first time Nehemiah mentioned to anyone what he was going to do. And this is chapter 2, verse 17. Then I said to them, then I, then I, Nehemiah, said to them, you see the distress that we are in now, how Jerusalem lies waste and its gates are burned with fire? Come and let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be in reproach. And I told them, of the hand of my God, which had been good upon me, and also to the king's words that he had spoken to me. So they said, let us rise up and build. Then they set their hands to this good work. But when Sembale the Haranite and Tobiah the Ammonite official and Jesem the Arab heard of it, they laughed at us and despised us and said, what is this thing that you are doing? Will you rebel against the king? So I, Nehemiah, answered them, Nehemiah answered those who were making fun of him, saying he cannot do it, doubting him. And Nehemiah said to them, The God of heaven himself will prosper us. Therefore we, his servants, will arise and build. But you have no heritage or right or memorial in Jerusalem. So how bold is Nehemiah and confident against the enemy? Right? It's because Nehemiah has faith in God as you and I ought to have faith in God today. We're not going to spend a lot of time on chapter 3. All we need to know in chapter 3 is that the repairs to the wall are made. Chapter 4, this is the chapter that I want to focus on. I'm going to start in chapter 4, verse 1. But it so happened when Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall that he was furious and very indignant and mocked the Jews. And he spoke before his brethren in the army of Samaria and said, What are these feeble Jews doing? Will they fortify themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they complete it in a day? Will they revive the stones from the heaps of rubbish, stones that are burned? Now Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him and he said, Whatever they build, if even a fox goes up on it, he will break down their stone wall. And here's Nehemiah. He's praying more. Here, Oh God, for we are despised. Turn the reproach on their own heads and give them as plunder to a land of captivity. Do not cover their iniquity. Nehemiah is praying this. Do not cover their iniquity and do not let their sin be blotted out from before you. For they have provoked you to anger before the builders. Verse 6, so we built the wall and the entire wall was joined together up to half its height for the people had a mind to work. 
Verse 7, Now it happened when Sembele, Tobiah, and the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the Ashdodites heard the wall of Jerusalem was being restored, and the gaps were beginning to close, that they became very angry, and all of them conspired together to come and attack Jerusalem and create confusion. Nevertheless, we made our prayer to our God. Because of them, we set a watch against them day and night. Then Judah said, The strength of the laborers is failing, and there is so much rubbish that we are not able to build the wall. And our adversaries said, They will neither know nor see anything till we come into their midst and kill them and cause the work to cease. Now, isn't this like Satan? When we are working for the Lord, Satan is seeking to kill, destroy, steal everything from us to cease the work, to put a stop to the work of God by creating confusion. So it's, it's very much the same here. Verse 12, so it was when the Jews who dwelt near them came that they told us 10 times, from whatever place you turn, they will be upon us. Now here's the strategy of Nehemiah starting in verse 13. Therefore, I, Nehemiah, positioned men behind the lower parts of the wall at the opening, and I set the people according to their families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked and arose and said to the nobles, to the leaders, and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome, and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. Verse 15, and it happened when our enemies heard that it was known to us and that God had brought their plot to nothing that all of us return to the wall, everyone to his work. Verse 16, so it was from that time on that half of my servants worked at construction while the other half held spears and shields and bows and wore armor and the leaders were behind all the house of Judah. Those who built on the wall, those who carried burdens, loaded themselves so that with one hand they worked at construction and with the other held a weapon. Every one of the builders had his sword girded at his side as he built, and the one who sounded the trumpet was beside me. Then I said to the nobles, the rulers, and the rest of the people, the work is great and extensive, and we are separated far from one another on the wall. Wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there. Our God will fight for us. Very strategic. And I want to focus on the verses we just read. I want to read verse 16 again to 18. So it was from that time on that half of my servants worked on construction while the other half held the spears, the shields, the bows, and wore armor. And the leaders were behind all the house of Judah. Those who dwelt on the wall and those who carried burdens loaded themselves so that with one hand they worked at construction and with the other held a weapon. Every one of the builders had his sword girded at his side as he built. And the one who sounded the trumpet was beside me. So where did Nehemiah position the servants for defending? We just read that. So he has half working the wall construction, right? And he has half with weapons wearing armor ready to defend. But as we read those verses, we learned something about the half that is working construction, right? That carried burdens. So where did Nehemiah position the servants for defending? We just read that. So half are working on the wall construction and half with weapons, wearing armor, on watch, ready to defend. As we continue to read those verses, of the half that were working, we learned that they worked with one hand and held their weapon with the other, working and defending. So half are defending 
and the other half are working and defending. So for example, if you have 100 people, 50 are working and 50 are defending. That's 50% and 50%. We learned of the 50 who are working that they are also working and defending. We can then split that 50% in half, understanding that 25% is working and 25% is defending. And as a final result, 75% are defending and 25% are working. If you wanna look at it as a fraction, three-fourths are defending and one-fourth is working. When we read this story and we understand the story of Nehemiah and his strategy, we can understand that working is doing the work of God and defending is praying. This is similar to when a servant travels to the mission field. He or she is covered in prayer as they travel. Do you and I not intercede or ought we not to intercede for a missionary that is traveling? Should we not stand in the gap to ask Jesus to protect them just as Nehemiah prayed for these Jews that were in distress? Do we not intercede and stand in the gap to ask Jesus to protect them from the methods of the enemy and provide them wisdom? Right? Likewise, shouldn't the missionary be praying while working too? Right? The missionary going to a foreign country, right? Maybe an unsafe area, depending on where God has called the person. Though it's God's plan and we can rest easy knowing that God is in control, we still ought to be praying because we are in the flesh. Here, God is confirming that prayer and work is a must, but there's an emphasis on prayer. A lot of prayer, right? A lot of prayer with some work for his glory. Some believe more work is required, and work is good, but God shows us how critical prayer is through the story of Nehemiah. So I want to encourage you. We are called to do both work and pray. I want you to share this to others because we're made to grow in Christ. And while prayer is good and necessary, we also need to do some work to show the Lord what we did for him because God will ask us, what did you do? And we may say, Lord, I prayed. And he's going to say, well, what about the work? Or he's going to say, you work so much, but you never talk to me. Let's be bold like Nehemiah when he says, God will fight for us. God will fight for us. Why was he so confident? Because he knew God would move on his behalf. And he knew God was with him. If you are a servant of God and you are baptized with that Holy Spirit, you need to know that God is with you. So pick up your weapons each day. Pray to the Lord. Intercede for others. Consult God regarding your plans so it is his will to be carried out, not man's will. We can plan, but we must remain flexible to what the Holy Spirit leads us to. And as you pray and work, you can move in confidence that he is with you. Most importantly... Remember this, when Jesus was on earth, he was praying so much to the Father, and he was God. And Jesus needed to pray because he was in the flesh, and he prayed so much. So how much more should you and I pray when we are not God, but in the flesh? We need to follow the example of Jesus. And we need to pray even more than Jesus prayed, because again, he prayed so much, and he was God. We're not God. We're in the flesh and we need so much prayer. So I want to encourage you to increase your prayer life. Ask God to lead you. 
and I'll be praying for increases in boldness, in discernment, in wisdom. So as we pray, as we defend, that we can also work. So in the day where we are face to face with Jesus Christ, we're going to have something to show him. Not just say, Lord, I prayed and I prayed, but here's the work that I did. And the Lord's going to be so happy. This is Take It or Leave It. God bless you all.